This is the Drummer's Resource Podcast, session 249. And the quote of the day is from Amelia Earhart, who said, the most effective way to do it is to do it. You're listening to the Drummer's Resource Podcast, home of in-depth interviews with the world's greatest drummers, music industry professionals, and thought leaders. Inspiration, education, and motivation for drumming, and beyond, and beyond, and beyond. Hey, hey, what's going on, everybody? Nick Ruffini here with another session of the Drummer's Resource Podcast. I hope everybody's doing well. And as you're listening to this, I'm actually on a flight to San Francisco. And as I've mentioned in some other posts, I'm, I'm actually moving to the Bay Area in about three and a half weeks or so. So if anybody's out there, please let me know. I'd love to I'd love to connect with you. I'm moving from the East Coast to the West Coast. So it'd be nice to connect with some cats out there. So if you're out there, just hit me up, you know, on social or email me, Nick at drummersresource.com. Any one of those, you know how to get in touch with me. So the conversation today is with Sergio Bonsignore. I love that last name. And he is the head of product at Evans Drumheads. And we talk about how drum heads are made and about the the difference between Evans and other heads and how they create a new product and all sorts of cool things. And then also as part of this, we are giving away an entire set of Evans drum heads. And the way that you can win that is if you share this podcast on Instagram and you tag Evans drum heads and you tag drummers resource, and then also use the hashtag DR two, four, nine. That way it'll be easy for us to find. And we are giving away a whole entire set of Evans drumheads. So again, share the post on your Instagram account or share the podcast, a screenshot of it, something like that. And tag drummers resource, tag Evans drumheads and use the hashtag DR249. And let's get into it with my man, Sergio. Sergio, what's happening, my man? Thanks for doing this. Hey, Nick. Good morning. Nice to meet you, brother. Nice to meet you, too. So if there's any, just for, so everyone knows, if there's anything, uh, if there's any noises that you hear, there's three construction zones around where I'm doing this right now. So it's, you know, it's, they've been doing construction here for three years. So if you hear any banging in the background or anything, that's just, that's just my friendly jackhammer friend outside. So, wow. Well, three years. I hope you're getting a nice big swimming pool put in. Man, I don't, they just, I don't get it. They just, they redo a place and then they do the next one, then the next one, then the next one. So, eh, what are you going to do? The struggle is real, folks. The struggle is real. That's right. So, Urban development. Yeah, man. It's happening. Um, so, Sergio, first of all, um, thank you for being, for being part of this. Evans, Promark, you guys have been a, a sponsor on the podcast for a very long time, which I sincerely appreciate. Matt Budd hooked it up. And so I love having you guys as a, as a sponsor, not only because you guys make great products, but also because you guys are, I, I think you guys are kind of pushing the envelope on a lot of different things. And before we get into some of the, some of the stuff that you guys have going on, I want to get a little bit of your backstory. How do you end up as the head of product at Evans. Reason being, I'm sure that there's a lot of people listening that are like, man, I would love to work for Promark or Evans or, you know, or any of these, you know, bigger drum brands. And I think there's some, there's sort of some, uh, some gray area and, and some misunderstanding about how you actually get into those positions. Sure. Absolutely. I mean, the, the music industry, though, it may seem, uh, you know, pretty big from the outside. It's actually a, a pretty small world. And, uh, you know, especially in the percussion community, everyone kind of knows each other, right. you know, and, and, you know, I'm sure it's been said, you know, more times than I can count, but, 
a lot of times who you know and, and networking is you know can play more of a, a role in in just what you know <laughs> you know in a sense to get to get you places in, in you know professionally mm-hmm. uh and and you know it's for me that's some somewhat true um you know i i went to school at crane school of music upstate uh new york and it's a big education school music education school uh they do have a music uh performance program but they also have um a really strong music business program and I was a music ed major there with the concentration in percussion, uh, classical percussion for the most part. And uh, I also did music business on the side. And through that music business program, um, we had a really good internship program where we would uh, go out to the NAMM show, which takes place um, in Anaheim, California, every January. And if you don't know what the NAMM show is, uh, NAMM stands for uh, National Association of Music Merchants. And it's basically the biggest convention, uh, music convention in the world um, that has all kinds of companies from keyboard manufacturers to microphone stands to bag cases, uh, you know, drums and hardware and guitars, amplifiers. You know, it's all kinds of I always of say stuff. it's like if it could possibly be used for music or anyone who creates music or thinks about music or does anything around that it's there right it's like, and it's like it's, and I mean, some people stretch you know they're like you could use this product for your music you're like i don't know if this is really a music product yeah it's it's wild you know and I'm like i feel like every time i walk into that convention center for the first time on day one of the show i can just hear like uh you know guns and roses paradise city playing and it's like you're in the jungle baby you yep. know it's this, this is it um and it's it's you know, sometimes it's pretty chaotic with all the people there and there's so many small vendors and, you know, in addition to all the large, you know, large companies like Yamaha and Roland and Fender and Gibson, you know, all the big names in the industry, there's, there's tons and tons of small niche stuff as well. Um, you know, in, in all regards, I mean, from, like I said, from drums to even guys who just make machines that help to make music products, uh, mm-hmm. you know, there's really the, the whole range of it. But back to my point, um, I went to the NAMM show uh, for the first time in 2010 as an intern, and I interned actually at a different company, not where I am now. Um, that was Latin Percussion. Um, you know, that's the world's number one hand percussion company, and you know, for a number of different products. And um, I worked there, and I've, I I met a you know a bunch of artists and a lot of the employees in the company, and kind of learned a bit more about their products. Uh, and it was a great experience for me and to kind of see the industry from the inside, um, you know, see from a totally different perspective. Um, <clears throat> a year later, you know, I finished school. That was my last year of school and uh, graduated. And um, I heard of uh, an opening at Latin Percussion uh, that was a product, uh, you know, product specialist type position that opened. And it was in the, uh, you know, with the R&D team. And uh, I applied for it. And... You know, the connections that I made at, at NAMM really, um, they spoke volumes for what I did there and people remembered me and, you know, they, my name came up, um, uh, as someone who, who did a good job and they, you know, like I said, they, they remembered who I was. And also, uh, Jim Peterzak, he was my professor, uh, up at college. He had some really good connections with some, some people in the company and, you know, helped to push my name. Uh, you know, in places where it would be, uh, you know, helpful for, you know, human resources aspect. And, 
you know, I interviewed really well and I had to go through three, three rounds of interview. One was a phone interview, two in-person interviews. And eventually I got the job, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I, I worked there for four years doing product development. Uh, and I worked on a, a whole slew of different products for Latin percussion and Toka percussion. Uh, you know, I worked pretty closely with the Gretsch guys who were also under the, uh, KMC, uh, music umbrella. Mm-hmm. And, well, now uh, the DW umbrella. Right, right. You know, that's, that's totally different now. Uh, and also Gibraltar Hardware. Uh, those, those were the household percussion brands there. And then later on, Cat Percussion as well, which is known for the Malik Cat and then also the electronic drums that, you know, have, have come about in more recent years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did that for four years. And then, um, you know, the whole the whole DW transition came about. And uh, I ended up here at the Dario. Um, you know, fortunately, I didn't have to move across the country. Uh, I got to stay stay where I was uh, born and raised in New York City here, and um, you know now I've been at the Dario working on primarily Evans drumheads uh, for the last two years. So uh, I've been in the industry for about six years now, and you know sort of sort of worked my way uh, you know from from the bottom up, I guess. You know, and my career may not be as you know illustrious as some other you know guys who can tell you about thirty forty you know, year span in, in this, um, in this industry, but, uh, you know, it's, it's been, a, it's been a wild ride for me and it's been a great experience and I've got to meet tons of people and, and learn more than I ever could have imagined. Well, I think that you with only being in the industry for, you know, six or seven years, I think it's a lot more relevant that versus someone, you know, you talk to somebody like John Christopher, who was at Zildjian for 30 years or something like that. Not that his, infor- I mean, he has a ton of information, but, I'm sure that he got his job differently than than you got yours. And it reminds me of, actually of an of an article that I wrote about how to get a job in in the music business and one of the things is that it's really no different than getting a job somewhere else. It's just that as you mentioned it's such a small it's such a small industry and everyone knows each other that your networking game has to be up to par. You know, like if you're going to work with some big company outside of the percussion you can sort of just apply and they can check your references and all that stuff but i think inside of the music industry and correct me if i'm wrong that there's not a whole lot of people who are just randomly applying for the jobs who are getting it they're either promoted from within they're either they either have connections with other brands you know they have they know people in the industry and that's sort of how they move and because that's how and you'll see it a lot of guys move from company to company within the industry right it's true. It's true. Though you know, sometimes it's 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 not totally closed out to the outside world, and and there are many ways to get in. And you know, doing an internship uh, is a great way to kind of learn from the bottom up and and meet everyone within a company and and really uh, you know bust your chops and 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 get things done. You know, it's mm-hmm. uh, that's how you you build a name for yourself. Sure. I, one of the biggest things that that worked for me, as you mentioned, is the the NAM conference and the. I, I get this all the time that people are like, well, how can I go to NAM? Because it's not open to the public and it's sort of, it's, it's a tough ticket to get, so to speak, even though there's hundreds of thousands of people there, it's still, it's still relatively difficult to get yourself a badge for NAM until you get in the inner circle and then you can sort of get one from anyone. Uh, what's your take on that? Or what's your suggestion about how, if you were on the outside, how would you get yourself a badge? Well, I, if I'm not mistaken, I, I think NAM is open to the public on Sundays now. So, um, yeah, I think there's something my, you may have to check my facts on that one, <laughs> you know, but, uh, a lot of times, you know, you, 
artists will get badges, you know, through, through their sponsorships, uh, you know, through different companies, but you know, it's, it always helps to have a friend in the industry who, who can, you know, help get you a badge. But the, the, the truth of the, of the matter here is that NAM is really, the show is designed to be uh, a business to business show. And it's not exactly a consumer show as you would go to like, say a car show or, uh, like you know, like a uh, comic con somewhere, you know, where right. those are strictly consumer shows and they're set up to, you know, have consumers engage with product and, and meet some celebrities or, or whatever it may be. NAM is really more of a, a business show. So it's, it's where companies can go to train some of their customers on new products and, um, you know, be able to work out deals and set up uh, trainings for, for the year. And, you know, it's a good time where, where and when you say, companies- just to cut you, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off, but when you were saying train the customers, you're saying the the distributors and dealers and things like that who are purchasing their products exactly. at, at large. Not, not, not the end consumer right. being, you know, the guy who goes into a drum store and buys sticks and heads and cymbals. Right. Uh, that, that would be the end consumer. But, you know, eventually those are our customers, but our direct customers are distributors and, and retailers like mm-hmm. Guitar Center, Sam Ash, you know, Amazon or... Uh, you know, distributors outside of the country. Right. So I'm going to switch it up a little bit and talk, get a little bit more technical with the stuff that you do with creating drum heads. So the first question is, how do they make drum heads? I mean, we don't have to go through every single painstaking process, but essentially, how are they made? Yeah, I mean, it's um, something that you can... Uh, if, if you if you come in for a tour, and I don't know if you ever been if you ever have been here before, Nick, but uh, I have, yeah, yep. you, you have. You, you, there's there's a lot of detail that goes into uh, making something that's essentially you know pretty simple that you end up just beating the life out of it, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but you know, essentially, a drum head is is really just two parts. It's uh, an aluminum hoop, um, you know, with a film that is the playing surface and the, the tensioning surface that gives you tone and, and pitch. So. In, in a nutshell, you know, those are two parts that are combined, but we, we get those components, uh, you know, from in raw materials and mm-hmm. we have to make them into that finished product here. So we have a number of different processes in the factory that, you know, we, if you want to start from the hoop, um, we, we buy our hoop in, in a raw aluminum band and it has to get formed into a shape that uh, will accommodate uh, a drum film, you know, dropped into, into the hoop. So, mm-hmm. you know, we build uh, a U-shaped channel, which most of our competitors do, but the, the biggest difference between our hoops and our competitors' hoops is that we build a rollover um, into the outside edge, which is a big part of Level 360 technology. And it's a little tough to explain exactly what that rollover looks like over the phone. Um, you know, if I had a you know, piece of a hoop in my hands, I could show you, you know, I could point it out real quickly. But if you look at a cross section, you know, of that hoop cut out, uh, you would typically see that U channel, right? Um, And if you look at just the upper lip and on the outside edge of that hoop, uh, at the upper end of the U, we have like a a little overhanging portion that comes down inside of the hoop. Uh, And what that does for us, and you know, what makes our heads uh, more versatile and more durable in the long run is that the glue that gets poured into that channel, um, it, it'll solidify in that hoop as a block. And when there's tension applied on the drum head, the glue will bump up against that upper lip and it prevents any kind of pullout or breakage of the drum head in, in the long run. Uh, so that allows Evans heads with level 360 technology 
to be able to hold up to much, much higher tuning than, you know, what our competitors can claim. Uh, and at the same time, um, you know, give you a wider tonal range so you can tune the heads higher. Right. So that's, what's, that's what's one component. Uh, hmm? I was going to ask what your, uh, what your opinion is of like seeding the head and, and and pushing it down when you're putting it because there's there's a lot of there's people that that don't do that at all and there's some people that like stand on their bass drum before, while they're right. doing it and and there's a good reason for that um so in the past um our heads were made with a slightly different collar shape and when we came out with level 360 technology we pretty much eradicated the need for for anyone to do that um and if if you don't know the reason why people do that is really to help stretch the film over the, the bearing edge of the drum shell. And also, you know, and, you know, in some cases to, to crack the glue, um, which is something that we, we've never had to deal with because we use different epoxies and different glues than uh, our competitors do. Uh, you won't ever hear the glue crack on an Evans head, you know, because it's just not made, not made to do that. Mm -hmm. um, now, the reason why you don't have to, push down on the film or stretch it out over the drum shell for our heads is because of the shape of our collar, right? And level 360 heads, uh, they have a steeper collar angle and a sharper radius just around the outer edge that accommodates more drum shell types and different kinds of bearing edges. Um, and it'll s allow the film to sit flush on the bearing edge all the way around rather than having one side that's sort of, uh, you know, lifted off the head when you start adding tension on, uh, on the opposite end. Mm -hmm. um, our heads will sit flat, so when you start applying tension, the entire film is, you know, going down at the at the same at the same rate. Right. Uh, because even tension is going to give you uh, even pitch and, and even tone. Uh, mm -hmm. And if you have uneven tension, you know, most drummers will know that, um, you know, if you if you pull one one tension rod out of out of, out of whack, it's going to throw the way the head sounds, and you hear all kinds of odd overtones, and it'll have reduced sustain, and the drum the drum just won't sound as good as it as it truly can right you know, or, or the film the film just isn't free to vibrate um the way it's designed to sure so what is so i mean for me now you know i've been playing for whatever 25 years or so um but when i was just starting out i remember i bought a bought a set of drums and they had remo heads on it right so Very i so i bought after that i bought Remo heads after that, not knowing, not necessarily because I liked Remo, what, but I just, I was like, I don't know. I guess these are the, the, the right heads for me to put on here. And then, you know, years later, I started to sort of figure out like, oh, okay. First of all, there's different heads out there. Second of all, there's, they're not, you know, if they're clear versus coded, it's not just for color and all this stuff. So, do you have for 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 cats who are sort of in because I think it takes a long time to find the right head for for you. Um, do you have any sort of like rules of thumb for people of of one how to select heads or or you know d ways to sort of make that decision early on in their in their drumming career? I know that's sort of a, a loaded question, but for someone yeah. who deals with drum heads every single day, it'd be interesting to hear your take on that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, l let me just give you a little, a little background on how I, you know, started really just experimenting. And that's, that's what it came down to for me to find uh, my sound. You know, it's like, uh, I remember, you know, I, I, I very much did the same thing as you. I, I had a, it was a, a Pearl Export, you know, it was my first drum set. And for many people, that's probably the same exact 
you know, exact scenario. Um, and that kit, oh man, I, th- I think it came with stock Pearl heads and it's like, you know, Pearl doesn't even make their own drum heads. That's just something that they're, you know, eventually slapping a, uh, a logo on. Right. Uh, but I think outside of that, they're, they're unbranded. Um, you know, there's no Remo, there's no Evans, there's, there's no other kind of marking mm-hmm. there. And, and, it, you know, I'm talking back like 20 years now and I'm trying to remember exactly what that kit looked like. <laughs> um, but I remember, um, you know, just doing like some reading on forums and things like that. And it's like, how can I get these drums to sound better? Cause I always thought they sounded a little papery and, you know, part of that was probably cause I didn't really know how to tune that well. And, uh, you know, I just wanted them to sound bigger and, you know, have more depth, uh, to the tone. So I started doing some research and looking on different websites and reading in forums. And, you know, one thing I kept coming across were the pinstripes, you know, and it's like, Oh, this seems to be a pretty common thing. I remember seeing them, uh, you know, on, in school or something, you know, on a, on a friend's kit. Mm-hmm. And I went to Steve Weiss and I bought, uh, a Tom pack, you know, so it had, 10, 12, 16, uh, pinstripe pack. And it had a, I think it was like a power stroke three snare head. Um, and bought that and mounted them on my kit. And it was like, wow, this is a game changer. You know, it's like it brought the drums from what, from what they originally were to something that I thought, you know, sounded a lot better. Um, and for some people that, that may be a common, you know, a common way of, at least uh, in making improvements on their kit. And that, to me, that was like totally experimental. I really didn't, you know, didn't know exactly what they were going to sound like when I put them on my own drums, but it wasn't until I did it and I mounted them and started tuning them that uh, I realized that just the potential of what drum heads can do to your sound. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, later, later on in life, I, I experimented with other types of, you know, other heads and bass heads and things like that. And I remember buying an EMAD at Guitar Center uh, when I was probably like, I don't know, in, in high school at some point, like maybe 15. What's up, the EMAD heavyweight? No, no, this was EMAD? just a, this was an EMAD 2, I believe. Okay. Um, you know, I, I had done some homework, you know, again, researching online, trying to find like what's, what's a good bass head to buy. Uh, Cause I still had the original stock head on my bass drum and it was a 22 by 18 kick. And the thing was just like booming for days. I think I had a pillow stuffed inside of it too, to mm-hmm. try to control it a little bit, give it more of a punchy sound. But I went to Guitar Center and I, I got the EMAT too. And I carried that thing home on the subway and it's a huge box and there's like, you know, there's no, there's no like real way to carry that thing. It's like, how do you tuck it under your arm or, you know, it's like, <laughs> it's huge. All right. So got it home, put it on my drum set, took, a, took the pillow out and boom, it was just like, wow. I, I could not believe just how much bottom end and punch um, the, the drums had, you know, now it was like, man, from what was wow, a, these heads actually heads actually make a difference. Right. What was a five hundred, six hundred dollar drum set, uh, now sounds like, you know, almost a two thousand dollar kit. You know, it was awesome. And I and I had played like some DW kits in Guitar Center and, you know, like uh maybe some Gretsch stuff, uh, you know, at Sam Ash, and I was like, Man, this these are really nice drums. I want my drums to sound like this. And um, you know, I was always trying to to finish, you know, finagle ways to to make my drums sound better you know and then of course i I would explore other things like cymbals and and different stick types and things like that to really just elevate my entire drum set but um the emad was pretty much my my gateway um 
to Evans. And I, I think that's a pretty common thing, and that's kind of what I've I've learned in my 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 short time here at the Dario is that the EMAD head is kind of like it's like a gateway drug, man. You know, pe- people will buy the EMAD and then they're like, wow, Evans is, uh, you know, these guys know what they're doing. And then they'll maybe try EC2s or the heavyweight or the HD dry. You know, there's a whole bunch of, or even hydraulics. You know, there's a whole bunch of different kind of unique products that we have that have really specific uh, kinds of sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and after that, I started exploring like EC2s and, and, you know, like I said, HD dry, generic dry heads, uh, just to see like what all the different uh, types of heads, you know, what kind of sounds and what kind of music, you, you know, you can get out of them and uh, you can play with them. And, and, and it's truly inspiring. You know, when, when you when you put something on a drum and it gives you a totally different feedback, it's like, wow, this, you know, I, I could totally play uh, some Metallica with this or, or, you know, maybe some James Brown stuff, depending on how I tune it. You know, it's uh you know, you, you hear totally different things and makes you want to play in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's that's a pretty long-winded answer, and I still haven't didn't even finish my point. Is like, what do I recommend, or what's like the the go-to stuff? A, a lot of that is, uh, you know, what what are, what is the what do you want to play? You know, is do you want to play rock music? Do you want to play jazz? You know, do you want to play funk? Do you want to play heavy metal? Um, there are different, uh, different types of heads to do all those kinds of things with. And um, we have, we have some heads that are pretty versatile that can kind of do the, do it all. Uh, you know, and that's, that's, that's kind of your single ply stuff. Um, you know, like the G1 and the UV1, those are, those are heads that will literally do it all, you know, and then we have some more, uh, thicker single ply heads like the G12s and the G14s that will hold up to some more heavier hitting. Um, but we'll still have the open kind of a tone of a single ply head. And then if you want more attack and durability, you go into the two ply world. Uh, you know, G2s, uh, you know, those are those are some of the most open two ply heads that we have. Uh, and we have EC2s, which are a bit more controlled with their edge control rings. Um, you know, our, our black chromes, which have a you know, ton of low end uh, and lots of attack as well. You know, and then like the hydraulic series, the feature oil between two plies of film. Uh, you know, we're the only ones that have done that for decades and it's a super unique uh, kind of a sound. It's, it's, you know, it's kind of what the sound of the 70s and the 80s where drummers are using these big old power toms that were super controlled. You know, right. you, can, you can picture it in the stadium uh, where it's almost like a, a thuddy kind of a sound, uh, you know, thuddy wet kind of a sound depending on how you tune them. And it, those heads really control sustain and overtone and overtones, and they're super super easy to tune. I mean, you can just kind of slap them on your on your drums and give them a couple cranks, you know, get them up to tension, and and you are ready to rock. You know, nice. it's, uh, they're awesome. But like I said, it's it's really what what you want to play um, and the sounds that you're looking for. And once you know, once I have a conversation with someone, it's like, well, what kind of music are you playing? You know, and what kind of sticks are you using? Are you using big old baseball bats like two B's, you know, or are you using, you know, tiny little seven A's where, where you want some more refined kind of articulation and not so much of the, the punch uh, sure. you know, of, a, of a heavier two ply head. Let's talk, let's talk about top and bottom head, because I think that a lot of the, the general, uh, the general notion is to tune the, put the top head on, or put the bottom head on and and then put the top head on and tune the top head and then you just forget about the bottom head and then every you know year or two you change out the bottom head you put the new bottom head on you tighten up the lugs and then you're done again 
Right. There doesn't seem like there's a lot going on, but there's but the relationship between the top head and the bottom head is paramount. I mean, that's that's where that's where everything happens is the sort of the balance of those two. Indeed. So, um, you know, top heads, we typically call them batter heads. And those are the heads that you strike. You know, those are the playing surface heads. Uh, and the bottom heads, we call them reso heads. Those are for, for resonance, you know, particularly. Um, what I find and what I've learned through the years is that the top head is really where you're going to get a lot of your feel, you know, um, depending on how you tune them. Uh, you tune them up high, you're going to get a little bit more rebound. You tune them down low and, your you know, your heads will, will sink more into the film because um, there isn't so much of a hard surface to bounce off of. Mm-hmm. Um, so attack and feel, uh, you know, you get a lot from your top heads. And then the bottom head is really more about pitch um, and sustain uh, in, in my eyes. Uh, and, you know, most drummers won't even bother touching their, their bottom heads because there's a stigma there that, uh, you know, and it's, it's totally logical that you don't want to fix something that isn't broken, right? Mm-hmm. And visually, if, if the bottom head isn't broken, why, why even bother touching it, you know? And I, I had the same, the same idea for years until I, I learned a bit more about just how important the rezo heads are for your overall sound. Um, and, you know, you, you can totally change the way your kit plays. It, even if you remove the bottom heads, I mean, my goodness, you, you're just going to have all attack and, and, and punch without really any kind of depth of sound or tone. Uh, but you find drummers are often sitting at their kit and, and uh, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll play their toms and or even their bass drum and just say like, man, I, I wish these drums had more bottom end or I wish they would sing more. And, and a lot of that is really just how they have their resonant heads tuned. Um, you know, most, most guys will tune them just way down too low to the point where they're not really vibrating, uh, you know, in, 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 um, in parallel with the, with the batter heads or they haven't choked up way too high that they're, they're, they're literally just choking out the sound and, and not moving, um, at all. You know, mm-hmm. and you want, you want to be able to, the ideal tuning range is to have your top and bottom heads in a similar tension to each other or similar pitch so that they resonate and vibrate in the same, you know, in the same fashion. Um, of course you can tune the bottom heads a little bit higher, you know, and get sort of a pitch bend effect or, or, or tune them down lower and cut some of that sustain out, um, you know, or get a lower pitch. Uh, and those are things that, you know, drummers will, you know, the guys who really know what they're doing with tuning will uh, experiment with sort of how they, the, the relationship between the top and the bottom heads, but the ideal sound and for maximum sustain, um, you want to tune them, you know, relative to each other uh, so that they're similar and they're, they're vibrating uh, at the same time. And that, that pitch bend that you mentioned for, for the people yeah. listening, you don't know what that is. That's sort of that, that where you get that boom when you hit it and it has like that, it, it almost like a bow sound. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's, you know, it's kind of an art. You know, mm-hmm. drum tuning to me is a, is an art form. And, and when I sit at a kit that I know uh, is tuned well, it's like, all right, I got to find the guy who, who tuned this, you know, because it's, uh, you know, I, I, I can admire that and appreciate someone who, who knows what they're doing with a drum key. <laughs> it's amazing the difference of how I play if I'm sitting on a kit that's tuned really well or if I'm sitting at a kit that's not tuned really well. Because if it's tuned really well, it feels like you can just sort of glide around the kit 
and everything just seems like it it works and feels really good and sounds really good obviously but on a kit that doesn't it seems like everything is just harder and it doesn't sound as musical and it and it's it's physically harder to play indeed you know and and, and someone can go and spend you know six thousand dollars on a fully customized dw kit but if they don't have it tuned well it's going to sound like you know a three hundred dollar three hundred dollar drum set that just you know isn't doing the job right it's like driving a car with flat tires you know right. sure, sure it'll drive but how you know how fast are you gonna go and how safe is it you know that, that is <laughs> a that's a great yeah. analogy it is yeah yeah totally agree Hey, don't forget, if you would like to win a set of Evans Drumheads for your drum set, share this post on Instagram or take a screenshot of this podcast on Instagram and tag Drummer's Resource, tag Evans Drumheads, and use the hashtag DR249 and you will be automatically entered. Great news for Musicians Institute. The drum program is proud to announce the new and innovative course, Gospel Drumming. It's taught by industry perennial Gordon Campbell, and this course explores the history and the evolution of gospel drumming. Students learn essential gospel repertoire to unlock the secrets of this exciting style of drumming. To learn more, you can go to mi.edu. Musicians Institute, instrumental in life. It's one thing to talk about how great Dream symbols are, but it's another thing to actually hear them for yourselves. And the good thing about Dream is not only do they sound great, but they're also priced well below the competitor's prices, so that way you can actually afford to buy these symbols. And if you don't think you can get a great-sounding symbol at a low price, check out DreamSymbols.com. But first, I want you to take a listen to what these things sound like. To learn more about Dream symbols, be sure to check them out at DreamSymbols.com. Now let's get back into it with Sergio Bonsignore. So you guys have, um, I know that you, you just came out with the UV1 and I want to talk about that, what makes that so so unique in and of itself. But before that, I want to go through quickly about the process of creating something new. Um, what What's the process of you, of, of you guys from sort of conception to actually releasing it to the public and i know there's a lot of moving parts that happen there but like but overall what what are the steps that go that you guys go through to create something new or new heads specifically yes it's a great question and um you know we could talk about this for hours and on every single stage of the process (laughs) that we go through because you know there there are gates for for certain points in uh you know product development stages uh where you know you, you you get to points where it's like there's goes and no goes, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but some ideas, uh, you know, it, it all comes from an idea, whether it's internal or, or external, you know, whether it comes from an artist or, uh, you know, just a drummer out there who's, you know, kind of experimenting with something and he'll reach out to us and say, Hey, you know, I've, I've, I've got this crazy idea. You know, my wife tells me it's crazy, but you guys might like it. Um, you know, and then we, we, we tried to, uh, explore the the uh, pervasiveness of these ideas, you know, with market research and, and you know, asking end consumers. Sometimes we build surveys and, uh, you know, and, and get more people involved because we, we can't live in a, you know, we can't work in a, in a, in a nutshell, so to say, where you're, you're not, uh, you know, where you're siloed. Uh, you want to mm-hmm. be able to know that what you're doing is going to be, uh, effective and solve problems for 
many people, right? That the, the problems are pervasive and you can create a solution that's going to work for, you know, for all kinds of drummers right. or, or, or maybe a specific uh, kind of drummer, but, you know, like jazz drummers, so to say, right. uh, and, you know, they're having a specific problem and you want to find a solution for them. So ideally we create, uh, you know, market driven products that are solving problems because that in the end will, you know, help, help the product sell. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, there'll be a demand for it because it's, it's doing a specific task. So, right? so, so take the UV one, for example. So somebody, somebody comes into a meeting and says, Hey, listen, we need a more durable head because people are either requesting a more durable head because all coated heads after a while wear out. And if we can make them last longer, we think that that would be advantageous to the, to the players. Absolutely. So, well, you know, in the sense of problem solving, right, the problem that, that we tried to solve for, you know, with UV1 heads, um, this is kind of taking it back to, to where it all began. You know, these, these heads were in development for uh, over three years. And the problems that we outlined were that, one, uh, coatings on the market often flake and chip uh, way before, you know, drummers are you know, ready to change their heads out again. Mm -hmm. um, two is that there's a, a stigma in the market that Evans drum heads, they, they sound awesome when you, when you mount them on the kit. Right. And they are the greatest, you know, uh, from the get go. However, um, over time, uh, they may dent out or dish out, you know, under heavy playing and lose their quality of tone. Um, you know, in, in a, in a given time span. So mm -hmm. these, these are things that we we've been told, um, you know, from number of consumers over and over again. And which is actually that negative feedback is actually better than the positive feedback. Absolutely. Because yeah. if, we're, if we're only getting positive feedback, then why ever innovate and make new things that are going to solve other problems? Sure. You know, uh, it's the, it's the negative feedback that teaches us, well, Hey, something is, something is not right and we need to come up with a solution to, to fix that. So with, with those two uh, major things in, in mind, um, we created a product that is more durable in the long run, um, you know, by using a different film type that doesn't dent or stretch as easily. Um, and then we've created this new coating uh, that we patented. Uh, it's uniquely ours and it's a hundred percent consistent, you know, because it's a totally different process than how we code our traditional heads. Uh, and I can go in, you know, in detail on, on that process in a sec, but we, we, we resolved that flaking and chipping problem. Um, so we, you know, we, we, we tested this with over a thousand drummers, um, through two different, um, waves of beta testing. And if, if you've seen any of our ads and videos, uh, you'll see that we've we've put a lot of statistics from the tests that we've done uh, because we've had drummers answer all kinds of questions. You know, we don't, we don't just send out heads for people to play and have fun with. Uh, we we send them out with uh, you know a sheet that has all the information on the background of the product and then a link to a survey that we built so we can learn about what they think of it. You know, and then in the end, the drummers will tell us uh, what problems it solves and how we can best go to market, uh, you know, and, and target, you know, the, the right kind of people with these sorts of things. Sure. Um, so, you know, the, like I was saying, those ads that are out there, that those are based on real statistics, you know, and, and anyone who, who, you know, who wants to call that it's, 
you know, say that we're, we're fluffing here, that it's, a, you know, it's fluff marketing. It's, it's simply untrue. Um, we, we, we reused hard data in this campaign, and this is what the market told us. And, you know, it's fact. So th these are the kind of things that we can use that give us the right, the right kind of ammunition so that when we go to market, we can do it with confidence. Sure. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot to be said that, that one, that it took three years to, to put it out. You know, I always call, I, I, or I've heard Nam referred to as not available, maybe May. Right, because right. it's like, well, it's not quite ready yet. Because I think people push everything to the market too quickly, and it doesn't have time to mature in the market. So it may come out in May or June, and by August, September, they're already working on the new products because they got to come out with a new thing for Nam. And they, I don't think that the products see their life cycle. So the fact that it took you guys three years to put it out. I like that. I like that it's not just rushing it to market because you need something. I don't see a problem with you guys going to Nam two years in a row and not having anything brand new. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. We, we vetted this out. You know, we, we ran it through its, uh, through its paces to make sure that it's something that's going to work. And, and, you know, what you're saying is absolutely true there. You know, Nam is a big opportunity for, for everyone that's there and they want to take advantage of, of the press that's there and the customers that are around and prep them for things that are coming. But in some instances, when you have a product that's, half-baked, you know, that you're showing that isn't really, you know, that may be a prototype, um, you know, you lose a lot of that sales potential that you you could have as if it were, you know, launched at that time. Especially you know, if it's so. a prototype that's going to be tweaked more and somebody comes up and says, ah, you know, I tried this thing. It wasn't really that happening. And then you come exactly. out and say, no, we made all these changes. It's like, nah, well, I already played it and it didn't, it didn't sound good. Yeah. You know, versus being like, this is the product. This is what you can buy in the store today. Yeah, it's it's truly a double-edged sword, you know, because there's there's advantages and disadvantages to both sides of it. Of course, of course. Well, Sergio, man, I appreciate you sitting down, chatting heads. I appreciate you uh, being flexible with the schedule. And I know that there's there's been a lot of people who have asked me to get people on to talk more about gear, to talk about, uh, and heads specifically, because I think that heads are are there's always sort of this gray area and there's a lot of there's a lot of intangibles with heads and there's a like there's a lot of mystification of like tuning and what heads you should be using and, and all that stuff so i'm glad to uh to have you on here to help clear up some of that stuff i really do appreciate it absolutely you know and if and if uh i can leave with uh you know one bit of advice is just uh go out there and try stuff and and don't be afraid you know to to take the heads off your off your drums uh, and put something fresh on there because I think you'll be truly amazed um, at what a difference it, it can make. Um, and if you have any questions about things, you know, you can, you can always reach out to us on our, on our social platforms or email us directly through our website. Um, you know, we're, we're pretty active uh, out there and we try to get back to, to anyone who has a question. You know, we, we, we get direct messages all the time through our Instagram page, through Facebook, you know, and this is for both Promark uh, and Evans and, and Pure Sound as well. Um, and we, you know, we try to help and, and guide drummers out there. And, you know, it's all it's all drum fam. You know, we want to be able to support each other and, uh, you know, give you guys the tools that you need to, to go out there and make music and have fun. I like it. And for anybody out there who wants to find out more about Evans, the, the EV1 or any of the products that they have, you can just go to EvansDrumheads.com. And again, Sergio, thank you very much. And thank you to everyone at Evans and Promark for being for being sponsors of the podcast. We really do appreciate it. And you keep the lights on here at Drummer's Resource. So we do appreciate it. Hey, it's, a, it's our pleasure, man. 
Good deal. Sergio, thanks again, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. So there you have it, Sergio Bonsignore. I hope that cleared up some of your questions, some of the some of the gray area with drum heads about you know about tuning, about selecting the head, about what the difference between you know certain plies are and things like that. Sergio definitely knows his stuff. Also, do not forget if you want to win a set of Evans drum heads, share this post on Instagram or share this podcast on Instagram. This particular session and tag Evans drum heads, tag Drummers Resource, use the hashtag. 24 dr249 sorry use the hashtag dr249 and you will be automatically entered to win and until the next podcast keep drumming thanks so much for listening and i'll be talking to you soon peace